Voices of Misery Podcast. This show isn't for the easily offended, so PC Police on Patrol stand by. You've been warned. Now, let's join the nerd and nerdette with another podcast for that ass. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Voices of Misery podcast. Today's a very special one because I've been wanting to do this for a while now. Normally, we just have episodes where we just kind of talk shit. We interview, you know, uh, celebrities, porn stars, all sorts of people from different backgrounds, wrestlers even, you know. Today, I wanted to reach out to someone real, uh, a real person who has something going on in their life that, you know, I kind of feel like is very relatable. Something that I can learn from and something that hopefully you guys can learn from. Her name is Taylor, and she was born a man and transitioned to a, a, a woman. And I have a lot of questions because this is a life that I don't know anything about. And that's why Taylor's here. And I just want to bring Taylor on the show. Taylor, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fine. And I'm very excited to have you on the show. I was very giddy when you said yes to come on. And I just have a lot of questions. So I appreciate you first for coming on the show. So thank you. Of course. Uh, can we start here? How old are you? I am 24. 24? Oh my God, you're a baby. Yes, you're so I am. Young. You know how old I am? I'm oldest. I'm 37. That's not I, old at all. Oh my God, thank you. That's, my kids think I am ancient. That's younger than the average age of my friends. Really? So, so you're hanging with older people? Yeah. Um, I grew up uh, in the church, and oh. my mom was the choir director. And so for the longest time, most of my friends were the people in the choir, which I think the average age was about 45. So okay. um, I got used to that. So it made it, I don't know, it's just who I like being around. So you grew up in the church. Do you still have religious beliefs or did you kind of shy away from that as you transitioned? Honestly, I never really did. It was always more about community. Hmm. And so I haven't been back since I transitioned, but that's more to do with my role in the church since I was in the youth ministry. And I didn't want to be someone that challenged someone else's belief. I yeah. just wanted to. So I haven't been back, but I have come out and I've st I'm still friends with a lot of the people that I grew up with in the choir well, let me ask you this about the church, because the church, you know, depending on who you talk to, they have very extreme beliefs. So let's say, um, well, before I ask you this question, let me ask you this. Do you consider yourself, quote unquote, gay? Um, well, like, I'm bisexual, so half, oh, sort of. Really? Oh, okay. So, so you're attracted to the man and woman, and that's something that's shied upon in religion. So is that is is that why you don't go back, or is no? Are you... I I don't go back solely because of my presentation. I could probably get away with it now, now that I pass pretty well. But I don't know. You know the the, the church that I belong to was very like polite, 
And so even if someone had a problem with me, they'd probably just grin and bear it until the point that they decided to just not go to that church anymore. Mm -hmm. And so that was really the reason why I decided not to go anymore is like, I didn't want to put someone else in that position since I'm not the one with the beliefs. I'm just there for the people. If I'm damaging the people in any way, shape or form, I didn't want to go back. And it's not necessarily what would have happened, but it's just the emotional calculus that I made. Extremely selfless. That's, that's, that's very nice of you, actually. I mean, so you basically do it for other people. You don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable, which is, which is extremely selfless. Yeah, so I've essentially given up all of my musicality as a result. I'm trying to figure out where else I can go to you know, experience that part of me. But so far, I haven't really found a great place. Well, I mean, there's a lot of outlets out there, too. I mean, you can, you can, I mean, like, just like we're talking right now on a podcast, you can produce your own content and put it online for people to enjoy. You don't necessarily have to do it in front of a crowd, but you can kind of create your own atmosphere where you feel comfortable doing what you enjoy doing. I mean, there's a lot of avenues out there for you, so don't give up what you love. Yeah, I just need to figure out, I'm really bad at writing music. I'm much more of a performer than a writer. Okay. Um, Anyways, this is getting a little away from the reason you had me on, isn't it? No, no, not at all. I mean, we just want to kind of like get into your head and just kind of figure out where you're at and everything like that. So, I mean, anything you want to share is okay by me. And I'm sure everyone out there listening, like they just want to know about you, the person. So, I mean, anything you you want to talk about is, is definitely okay. Everything's on the table here. So. But let's just get back to your childhood real quick, because I do want to talk about you and you were talking about growing up in the church. When did you find out that you were born incorrectly? Um, or do you even feel that way? Because some, some people feel like they were born like in a different body. They're not who they're supposed to be. So I realized that there was a name for it when I was... I believe 22, 21 maybe. Really? Up until then, I had no exposure to the LGBT community because this area is extremely heteronormative and, and like, it's very conservative. So I didn't, I didn't really know that much. I knew that gay people existed. They were at my school, but like, it wasn't really a big deal. But we didn't have trans people. Um, or at least I didn't know them as trans people. And so what's possible in medicine and what's possible in general, um, I didn't know what could be done. And so I just kind of wrote it off as this weird fantasy that I had to wake up one morning a woman. Sure. And, um, but I guess... Less than feeling like I was born in the wrong body, I often felt just kind of out of phase with the universe as a whole, like as though I were a transplant. Not that not that I was wrong, but just that I was in the wrong universe. Gotcha. Now, did you have anyone that you can confide in? Because I know you said you were in a very conservative area with a lot of religious, you know, people around you and i know like a lot of them can be kind of closed-minded i mean you listen to conservative podcasts or people talk and they really kind of you know 
categorize trans people as having a mental illness or something wrong with them. So is, so were you afraid to open up to anybody or did you have anybody you could talk to? I was really afraid to open up once I figured out what was going on because like up until that point, the majority of my family, you know, identified as Republicans and all of my f- uh, family's friends and all that stuff. So it felt very, felt like I was kind of surrounded. Wasn't a great feeling. Um, but ultimately I That's did nice. come out to someone and it was such a positive experience and such like a weight just was taken off of my shoulders that after coming out to that one person, I managed to go six months before I can't, before I thought like, okay, I need to do something like just that alone carried me so far. Um, and when I came out to her, she was my babysitter when I was younger and she was my mom's best friend and one of my best friends. And, um, like I'm sitting there, I'm terrified, I'm nervous. And I'm, and I tell her what's going on and she just starts crying saying, Oh my God, I can't imagine what you've been going through. And that was the moment where I was like, okay. I'm still, I still get to be around this person. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, do you do you find yourself very hard to make friends with because of you know, like, do you find yourself like guarded because of what's going on in your life and how you feel at this time in your life? I am very guarded, but I do think it's a good thing. You know, um, I pick my people very, very carefully, and um, this October was really the first time that I was able to get close to people my own age. And I think largely is because like I'm in a position now where I'm much more like myself and I can have fun as myself and I don't have to like be overloaded with stimulus anymore. And yeah, um, it's gotta be tough, but like I made some friends and we actually went to high school together and um, one of them I was even in college with, but um, I don't have to be guarded with everyone. I'm just guarded with strangers. And it's really easy for someone to make me trust them, but it's a very specific kind of criterion that I'm looking for. And most people don't meet that criterion. They could, but they don't. Gotcha. Now, is it because like the secret that you have um, when most people see you and, and, you know, like when we started the Skype call, I saw you and you're definitely passable as a quote unquote woman. Uh, so when someone first sees you at first glance, they're going to see a woman. And is that why you're you're more um, guarded, you think? Like you don't want to make friends because you don't want to see the reaction when they find out who you, you know, were born as or what you were born as? Honestly, I think more of the reason is... Um, the culture shock of it all because my transition proceeded very quickly and I went from living my life as a man and a wallflower and um, someone that no one would, would necessarily look twice at. Now I'm this six foot six foot and some change when I'm in heels um, blonde woman and particularly around men, like the the reality of my world is so different. And there's so I've had some really not great 
interactions just as a woman that have made me kind of just a little more tentative to be out in the world. And it's, I think I, I chalk it up to the fact that I didn't grow up that way. So it wasn't a gradual introduction as you go from a girl to a woman and, and you like slowly realize that more and more men see you in a different way. But but I mean, I drive for, I drive for Uber and Lyft. And so I've had some pretty scary experiences. And I think that more than anything is why I don't open up to people because I don't know, I open up to people on a personal level immediately. I don't care, but I don't share the fact that I'm trans with just anyone. I understand. Now, let me ask you about the Uber thing, because Uber is like a job that pretty much anyone can get. So you kind of segued into where I wanted to talk about next. Do you find it hard to get work at like a a regular environment because of like, do you basically see any kind of like discrimination because you're trans? Yeah, I do. I've been looking for a job since July and like every interview, like I'm pretty passable, but I'm not 100 percent. And so there usually comes a point during an interview where like you just see the lights go on and then go off and Ooh. I can tell oh the interview is over no matter what questions they ask I'm not getting this job anymore um, it wasn't that way in Long Beach but ever since I moved home it's absolutely the reality where, now where are you located like don't tell us the town obviously but like what state are you in I'm in Southern California. Really? Southern California is like a, because when I think of California and, and I'm here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, I always, th- and, and this is a very red state. So, I mean, yeah, like if you lived here, you would see a lot of crazy shit going on because these people are just insanely Republican down here. It, it's nuts. But where you're located, when I think of California, I think of a very liberal, progressive place. And you still deal with discrimination there? There's large swaths of it that are liberal, but it's a very... It's very, like, the metropolitan areas are so different from the rural areas. And Mm. so where I am, we're a bit far from the metropolitan areas. And that's where all of the conservatives gather. Now, you said you came out to your your babysitter, who's your mom's best friend at, at the time, right? Yeah. Did that person keep your secret, or did they immediately tell tell your your mom like, "Hey, this is what's going on"? They kept my secret. Oh my god, that's a good person. <laughs> I need someone like that in my life because the people I tell anything to spill the beans immediately—that's <laughs> the worst shit. Yeah. Well, when your parents found out, what did your parents say initially? Um, I'm trying to remember. Um. So I, I, I use different terminology coming out to different people. Like to my babysitter, I said, you know, I, I said, I often feel like I would have lived a much happier life if I were born a woman. Like, I think that's verbatim what I said to her. To my dad, I can't remember what I said, but he just said, I love you either way. Be happy. Um, Some really good parents. Yeah, my, my dad is like super liberal. I I had no concerns with him. He, um, my parents are separated. He's, you know, 
atheist, liberal, he went and got the license necessary to officiate um, LGBT weddings since Catholic priests refuse to do it. Um, so all that. So I, I had no concerns going in. It was a very short conversation, probably a few sentences. He did express that he was afraid for my safety. Yeah, um, that, that's and that is that is a sentiment that has grown to be a bit of a problem now that I'm living with him. But uh, with my mom, I I said I'm trans. I think it was the first person that I used that word for, and so. Um, like she uh, asked what that meant to me Um, and I explained it and I said I know this is confusing Um, feel free to ask any questions and we we were sat at this bar um, down the road because we had guests at the house and I I just I couldn't take it anymore I didn't want to wait any longer so I'm like, hey, I need to talk to you about something. Can we go somewhere where there's fewer people? So we were out of this place. And, you know, we sat there for probably two hours just letting her ask questions. Did she kind of take it upon herself? Like, what did I do wrong? Or did she understand, like, hey, you know, this is just how you feel. Like, it has nothing to do with your upbringing or anything like that. It's just something internal. She has struggled a little bit with this feeling that there's something that she could have done more. And I keep trying to remind her that that's not how it works. I didn't like, it wasn't that I felt I couldn't come out sooner. It was that I didn't see the point of it because I didn't know that, you know, trans medication worked. I didn't know it existed. I didn't know there was something that I could do about it. So it wasn't like she, she did feel a little bit like, you know, not, not what did I do wrong, but like, what could I have done more as I raised Taylor so that they could have come out sooner and gotten ahead of this and had more happy years. So you mentioned medication. Now, I want to ask you about that. What kind of medication do you take? Like, how much do you take? How often do you have to take it? And how much does this cost? Because it's got to cost you a lot of money. Um, because of my insurance, it's really inexpensive. The trans women side of things is relatively cheap uh, on the day-to-day. Um, but the, the trans men get screwed. So for me, I, I take pills every day, twice a day. And I'm on um, spironolactone, which is a blood pressure medication originally that they discovered worked for um, pubescent girls' uh, um, hormonal acne. And then they realized that it's because it's dropping the testosterone in those pubescent women. So they use it to as an antiandrogen. So it's what suppresses my natural testosterone. Gotcha. And then I'm just on birth control for adding estrogen into my system. Now, how long into the process did you start noticing things changing 
as far as like your physical structure, your body, things like that? Depending on, on how particular we want to get, there were some changes I noticed within the first two weeks. Um, other changes that absolutely were extremely gradual. What kind of changes did you notice first? Um, so... I noticed my skin getting softer. I noticed immediately that this, like, fog in my head that I didn't realize I had been living with cleared up pretty much immediately. Um, and then um, breast buds formed uh, within the first couple of weeks. Now, what was now what was that like? Because you were you, you were you know living as a man for you know years, over two decades at this point, and you start having these changes happen. And you notice like boobs you know start to form. Like how, how how was that when you see them? Is it like holy shit? I'm finally becoming who I'm supposed to be. Well, strangely enough, it actually wasn't my first time experiencing breast buds, because right before um, right before puberty started, I actually did have. A moment where I'm like, my nipples really hurt. I should go to the doctor. Um, and he said, no, nothing to worry about. Some some prepubescent boys before they go through their puberty get this like burst of estrogen, and it's fine. It'll it'll go away, and whatever you do develop will melt away over time. And it did. I never developed much, but. Um, so it wasn't my first time. So it wasn't really, it was really anticlimactic in that way. And again, I'm, I didn't hit the genetic jackpot on that. So even after a year and a half of being on hormones, I'm still at an A cup. So it's not like I have huge knockers all of a sudden. For some trans women, that is the reality. And I can't imagine what that would be like. Now, is that something that you aspire to have? Like, do you want like these 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 huge knockers? Like, do you want to look like a um, you know, like a like a pinup model or something like? Or do you just not care about that? Because you do see some. And there was there was one trans woman who was in the apartment complex my dad managed years ago. She was actually a stripper at one of the local you know strip clubs or whatever, and she had like these gigantic knockers, like the long flowing hair, like really spent a lot of money. I think they went to like Thailand or some shit like that. Is that something that you want to kind of aspire to get to or just whatever? I don't know. Like my, my goal is to live the life that, you know, a cis woman would live. I don't need gigantic knockers to get to that point. What I have suffices. Um, do I wish that I had closer to a B cup? Absolutely. But I think anything larger than a B cup would look really strange on my, on my, uh, proportions. Gotcha. So I'm not, I, I'm pretty happy with where I am. Um, so have you ever considered any kind of surgery or anything like that? Yeah, actually. Um, I don't know how I'm going to make it work, but, um, my insurance covers it pretty well where they cover it at 90% and my max out of pocket is $2,000 for the year. So I want to try to um, get that done before I turn 26 because otherwise like it's going to be a while before I get a job that 
uh, well, it's going to be a while before I get a job, but it'll be a while before I get a job that will give me the insurance that I need in order to be able to afford that again. So I'm looking to go back to college next year and I want to work really hard during that year. And my intention is, or my hope is that I can get my bottom surgery handled um, the summer after that. So in a year and a half. What kind of surgery is that? You said the, the, the bottom surgery? Bottom surgery. So that's the vaginoplasty. So that's the um, genital reassignment surgery. Oh, so you're going to get rid of your, 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 your penis. Yes. It's annoying. It's in the way. It's a hassle. <laughs> but, but the thing is, like you said, you're bisexual. So you like men and women, right? Yes. But I can't be with men without the vagina. Like, it's, it's trigger traumatizing. It's problematic. So what, so what is dating life like when you're trans? Because, like, you're passable female so if you go to like a bar or wherever you meet a significant other do you come up front with them and just say hey listen i'm trans or do you only hang out in trans circles like how how is that process yeah see that that's part of what i was talking about with like that extra layer that i put up specifically like that extra barrier that men have to get through um because yeah there's several moments where it's like a guy will be talking to me and sure he's attractive, but there's no way in hell I could ever go home with him. So I shouldn't get his hopes up because like, that's not the kind of thing that you can spring on someone like the, the, the trans panic defense exists in certain States for a reason. It's not a good reason. It's a bullshit excuse, but I'm not taking that chance. And so yeah, with any potential partner, I have to let them know well ahead of time. And so dating life, it kind of just doesn't exist. Women women are much more open and accepting. And a lot of my friends are not perfectly straight. And so, I don't know, maybe there's dating prospects in my circle. But I don't know, that's awkward, isn't it? It, it is. It's very awkward because like it's a catch 22 and, and this goes for both sides because like if you're a guy, you're out having a few drinks, you see someone that's attractive and you bring them home. Like when is that proper time to let that person know like, hey, before we go any further, I have to let you know something. Is that come into like the first sentence? Is it midway through the conversation or do you feel like you you have to let them know at a certain time? I don't, yeah. I don't ever let them know in the bar. I never let anyone know in public. It's not how I do it. What I say is my personal rule is that I never go home with someone from the bar. I'm sorry. Personal rule, not breaking it. And so most people, that's a deal breaker for them because they want someone tonight. Every now and then someone oh, yeah. will give me a number and say, okay, we'll go out for a date instead. Those are the like that's the first step towards getting through that barrier for me is going on a is being willing to go on a date first. And then of course before we go on that date, that's when I tell them and again, they usually vanish. I can't think of anyone who hasn't, but um I don't know, it's my way of keeping myself safe. 
Well, obviously. I mean, so let me ask you this. Have you ever gone on a date with someone and like maybe like let them know too late? And were there any experiences like that or have you always stuck by that rule? I've always stuck by that rule. Smart. Very, very smart. Like, yeah. Seriously, yeah, because you, you can only imagine the kind of trouble you put yourself in, the kind of dangerous situation you could potentially be in if you don't tell them until a certain time. You know, like, like maybe like you bring them back to your place or you go back to their place. And then it's like, hey, this is my secret. And yeah, it, I, I completely understand. Yeah. But so it's not worth it. Definitely not. Um, so you, you were talking about being an Uber and Lyft driver. You had some bad experiences. Do you have any that stick out in your mind that you want to kind of share so people can understand like what's going on there? Yeah. So to all of the male passengers out there listening to this podcast, stop hitting on your female drivers. <laughs> we are working we have like our budget is designed around a certain expectation of income for every day and so no we're not gonna we're not gonna go off the clock at 9 p.m to go accompany you in the bar when there's still a solid five hours of good income to be had unless you're going to make up that money but again then that's basically prostitution at that point right exactly 100 um so no just don't do it and really like there's no amount of suaveness that is going to make me change my mind at least and most of the people that are asking me to go into the bars with them aren't that suave anyways <laughs> you know so what's just, funny about this this let me this let me interject you real quick because like I've worked retail my entire life just just about you know uh, ever since I was a legal age to work and I think I know where you're coming from here because there's something about people your customers your regulars or whoever you see they go to a retail place and they feel like the person helping them is their friend and they lose the fact that that person's getting paid to listen to their bullshit so <laughs> their mind gets warped and they're like you know what this person genuinely likes me i'm going to ask them out cuz i've had you know women and i've even had guys in the past hit on me because i'm there to talk to them i have to put the smile on i have to pretend i give a shit about you because i'm getting paid to i would yeah. never associate with you when i'm off the clock and i understand 100,000% how you feel what i usually say is like if you catch me out in the wild go ahead and 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 come introduce yourself but like when i'm on when i'm when i'm working and i'm working and um you know it, it's really unfortunate because every time a guy starts hitting on me it's like oh automatic one star because any guy that i turn down instantly one stars me and doesn't give me a tip and i'm basically just like waiting for that one extremely spiteful dude to come around who's going to falsely report me for driving under the influence and shut down my entire ability to make income it's like I can see it coming and there's nothing I can do about it. So it's just like, I don't know, it's annoying. And just don't do it, people. It's not worth it. And yeah, we're being nice because that's part of the job. And while I genuinely do like to get to know my people and I genuinely do, genuinely do like when I can feel like a friend, at the end of the day, I'm not. Like that's not what it is. Well, I believe me, I understand. But does Uber or Lyft, do they give you any kind of um, protection or is there anything you could do to yourself short of buying a camera for your car? Um, no, you have to buy a camera and I don't have one. So I'm, I'm really careful. You can probably get a GoPro for pretty cheap. I, I know they dropped in price. You know, you can get yourself something decent just to protect yourself. I mean, seriously, you, you yeah. need it because that's a dangerous job that you're, like, you're inviting a stranger 
into your car, into your personal vehicle. And as and as a and as a woman, I mean, it's got to be scary as hell because I know as a guy how fucked up we are in the head. Yeah, you know, there was so, this one yeah. guy who. Um, Oh, it was okay. Roller coaster moment. I'm gonna take you through story time. Oh, let's let's hear it. This is this is this is what I want to hear. Um, one of the ones that stands out to me the most was actually one of the earlier encounters with a man, um, being weird. So picture this: the the me that has no exposure to men in that way, other than just hearing about my friend's behavior. So this is the first time it's really happening to me. And I get in the car, or he gets in the car, and the first thing he compliments, he comments on is like, wow, you have big hands. It's like, oh my god, because that's one of the <laughs> things that can tip me off on being trans. So I'm like, oh, that's a bad place to start. That's a dangerous place to start. How, like, and, I'm, and I just said, yeah, piano hands. Just go with it. <laughs> and he latches onto that and goes like, "Oh, you play piano. Well, would you be able to teach me sometime?" And I'm like, uh, "There's probably better teachers out there." <laughs> and he's like, "What if I want you?" And it's like, "Well," and I'm looking at my phone, and it shows that I still have 15 minutes in the car with this dude, which means that I can't say just no flat outright. And I'm like, okay, do you have a piano at home? He's like, no, but I can get one. It's like, okay, why don't you talk to me after you get one? Um, That's so weird. And so that turns into, you know, asking for my number, which I was stupid enough to give. And um, I was so tense, I almost crashed the car. It was terrible. Um. And then he starts, you know, getting to what he really meant and, like, um, wanted me to come over so we could have sex. And I'm like, okay, that's not going to happen for numerous reasons, but it's not going to happen. Were you remotely attracted to him at all? No. No, he was way too drunk. I don't see drunk people as attractive. I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, oh God, I understand completely because drunk people they see themselves one way when everyone else sees them the real way like a sloppy falling over pee in your pants kind of dude yeah even if when he's sober he's you know a dashing prince like yeah no not with a drunk person well i'll give that guy credit he was responsible and he called an uber so (laughs) he did (laughs) and um so you know he was he started getting into the whole like you're really hot and and like the weird compliments that I don't know how to respond to. And then he's like, your hair is really nice. Do you mind if I touch it? And I'm like, sure. Cause I know like I normally, that's a common thing for me to get. Like your hair is really nice. Do you mind if I touch it? What do you use? Like that is very frequently brought up in my Uber. So like just without thinking, I say, sure. And he starts touching my hair. He's like, Oh, this is really nice. And then like, I'm driving, and then I just feel his hands on my neck, on the back of my neck, and he's massaging my neck, and I'm like, I'm sorry, touching my hair did not extend, does not mean that you can touch me. Um, And luckily, we were pulling up at that point, and so I said, thank you for 
driving for or, or using Uber, get out of my car. I didn't say get out of my car, but that's exactly what I was thinking in my head. Thank you for driving Uber now. Get the fuck out. <laughs> you know, just get the fuck and out. And I was just like, looking back, it wasn't that much. Like, I've had guys since that have touched me even more inappropriately, but that stands out to me because it was the first time, basically, like, if any, like, if any of the, if any of the male listeners had gone through that experience. That's what that would have been like. Because I was still in no. that. I was still in that mindset. Yeah. So let me ask this because because I have, everyone's asking this question right now as you're hearing this. So why did you give this guy your number? He he sounds like a real freaking creep. Because I said no three times and he didn't and he and he wouldn't get off the topic, and I just wanted to be done with that topic, and just get through the rest of the ride. So I gave him my number and said, like, if it becomes a problem, I'll block him. Now, let me ask you this, because like a lot of times, like you can, so let me get your number. So, all right, it's eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine, you know, like that old joke. Was it one of those deals where like you gave him your number and he texts you immediately just to make sure it was your real number? Or could you have had that op, like opt out with like, okay, my number is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Um, I don't remember. Most guys do. Cause it's happened since. Most guys do that. They they like call and like if it doesn't come through the ca- through the car, they get upset. Um, or I assume they would. That's why I give my real number. Um, There's that one star right there too. Immediately, oh, you didn't give me your number. Boom, one star. Yeah. So I do. I do. I am way too polite for my own good. Yeah, I mean, someone teach me how to be less polite. <laughs> oh, I can, oh, I can teach you in a heartbeat. Trust me, I've been doing retail for a very long time, young lady. I can teach you how to be an asshole in a heartbeat. Trust me. <laughs> <sighs> now, there's there's so many questions here. Like, do you think that some of these guys know deep down? Like, if they look at you, do you think they know you're trans and like they're hiding their own sexuality and they're like, hey, here's my chance to be with a taboo, like a fantasy of mine that I keep you know, locked away in a shed. Like these guys have a wife and kids at home, but they have a trans fantasy. Do you think some of them know? I think, I think not. I think that's why it usually happens with really drunk people, not sober people. Oh, I gotcha. Um, it's, it happens now with sober people. Like as I pass more and more and more, it, it does happen with more people. But, um, at the start it was, just extremely drunk people who probably couldn't see past the long hair. Mm-hmm. So, do you do you get hit on by a lot of guys in secret? Like, do you find like a lot of guys want to like be with you on like the on the quote unquote down low? You know, where they're like, "Hey, listen, I got a wife and kid at home. This is what it is. I just want to be with you because you're a trans person." Have you ever had that kind of situation happen? No, because. Because I, I keep that part of me to myself. Um, my my circle of friends are the only ones that um, that really know. Gotcha. I never I I don't use that excuse to get out of being with someone. And there was there's only been a few times where where someone's like in the back of my car and they're like, so can I ask you a personal question? And it got to a point where it was like. I expected them to ask if I was trans um, because it happened semi-frequently for like a while in that in-between stage. Yeah. Um, but 
uh, I would get that question, like, can I ask you a personal question? Mm. And like, were you born a man? And of course, I'm, you know, perfectly honest with everything. And so I say, yes, I was. And so there have been guys that have thought like, oh, that's really hot. Like, you know, da 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 Yeah. So there have been a few, but um, not lately. Let me ask you a question about the surgery, because I'm very intrigued by this. And, you know, like, I'm a guy. I have a penis, obviously. I can never imagine getting rid of it. And I understand where you're coming from, because, like, you you feel like, like you are a woman on the inside. Do you think, and is there a possibility that you'll ever have a regret if you do get that surgery where it gets removed, where you want it back? I mean, if I ever get bored of using a strap-on with a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Or if I'm ever using a porta potty I might wish I still had it and could stand up to pee. Hmm. You bring up a very interesting point there because, you know, the penis is very insignificant now because you can go to any store in America, any sex shop in America, and buy one your size that you want, your your thickness, your color, your vein, whatever – and you could buy one. So the one that we're born with, you can actually replace it with something else. So I do understand what you're, what you mean. Shit, I might go cut mine off now. Yeah, and and considering like the benefits for me of like I like wearing tighter clothing because I have a narrow waist and my hips exploded in the first few months. Like I I, I grew six inches in my hips, which they told me wasn't going to grow at all. So like I have a shape that I like showing off. Um, so I wear tight clothing, but tucking in tight clothing is really uncomfortable and not only that like when you tuck that way by the way tucking you put the penis down between your legs uh, in order to get that flat shape do you um, have more special underwear or anything for that or is it just no, like you no. just have to walk a certain I just way? use um i just use panties with spandex in them and it's totally fine um uh where was I going? Oh, yeah. But because <laughs> that's in the way, your pants sit down just a little bit lower. So the waistline of the pants isn't where they were supposed to be. And it kind of th- it, like it's not a lot, but it to me, I notice it. And like the outfit doesn't look as good as it could. And of course, I can't go to the beach in a swimsuit And, like, there's all sorts of things that I have to consider that if I were to get bottom surgery, I don't have to consider it anymore. Really, with my life the way it is right now, it's not about sex. It's about the convenience factor of not having to hide it. And since I'm not really going to miss it, because, like, I don't intend to use it for sex anyways. Now... The hormones, does that affect your ability to get an erection? Because you're, you're, you're taking the, the, the estrogen pills, right? Is that what yeah. it is? It's estrogen? Yeah. Does that affect you having an erection or anything like that? Or does it still, like, does everything work? So the antiandrogens do affect it a little bit. Um, it's very, your mileage may vary. So some trans women out there can't get erections at all. Um, me, I am lucky or unlucky, I don't know which, that... Um, I just don't get the random ones anymore, but I do get them when I'm really aroused. 
So like no morning wood, no church boners. I can stand up in front of class without worrying. Um, not that I'm in class right now, but like, so I, they don't just happen randomly. They only happen when I'm with someone um, and making out or something. And then because I'm tucked, it gets really painful because that's not an angle that boners like to be at. <laughs> that's the truth. So, no, go right ahead, please. Like, so, like, that's another thing that I'm really looking forward to is being able to have a really nice makeout session without being in pain. Now, when you're making out, do you do you prefer men or women? Like, which one do you prefer? Because I know you said you're bi, but do you have a preference? Like, if you had to settle down with one person, would it be a man or a woman? See, that that's difficult because, like, I'm more sexually attracted to women, but I'm more romantically attracted to men. So it's... It's annoying. Like, so I'm like when I'm out and about, I'm more likely to walk up and introduce myself to a woman, but I'm more likely to see long term potential in a man. Really? Now, now that's interesting. Is like, so you prefer to get more intimate with a man then? Is that how that works? Um, no, I just. I like the feeling of comfort and like safety that I get from being with a man that I don't necessarily get from being with a woman unless she's a bona fide badass. <laughs> but um but like I I can't have sex with with men because um of of my phobia like it's something that I want to work on, but I need to find a partner to work on it. I have a phobia of sex. And so I need to go through this procedure with a sex therapist. But again, I need a partner for it. So once you get rid of the penis and you have a vagina that you'll, you'll be more inclined to, you know, like, like that phobia will go away. You think that'll I happen? I suspect so. I suspect so because it, I mean, that's ultimately the, the, the source of the phobia is that I'm afraid that you know, when someone gets my pants off, that they'll start seeing me as less of a woman. That's what I'm terrified of. Like, all of this work, and, like, no matter how much they see me as a woman, as we're dating, or as friends, or whatever, you know, there's this fear that getting my pants off will just change all of that, and I, and, it'll be, and, and that it will be something that I can't reclaim. And, and so... Go ahead. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm afraid of of sexual intimacy and I, and I tried to experiment with a friend one one time I was it was having fun and then he started pulling down my pants and I had a genuine panic attack and had to like leave the room so I don't know Shit. No, that's terrible I mean no, like I I get it because like you're, you're obviously having like a mental trauma because it's like you want to please other people, but you also need your own pleasing yourself. And it's, it's a really tough situation You're in between a rock and a hard place. But, you know, when you go through that surgery and, and this is something that you can educate me on because I have no idea about this, 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 you know, reconstructive of the genital area thing. Can you still have the sensation? Yeah. Can you have an orgasm? Is, yep. it, is it the same thing? So um, I can tell you 
what happens in the surgery and it'll make sense but it's a little um graphic so no that's fine they put a trigger warning in the description oh of course (laughs) so um to start really rough place to start but they lop the head off um and they put it on ice and then they peel the skin down to the base and the skin has all of the nerves in it still um, and then, so the, and then they cut out all the spongy tissue that is responsible for giving erections. And then they basically drill a hole um, where the skin isn't covering, and they turn the skin inside out and line the new hole with it. And so oh. now all of the sensations that you would get from the shaft are now inside the vagina, and they staple glue, stitch that together depending on the surgeon. Um, I think they glue it together mostly. Um, and then they take the the scrotum. They, of course, can't toss the testicles. They don't need them anymore. Um, and they use that skin tissue for the labia. And then um, with the, the head that they had put on ice, they take a small portion of it and they fashion that as the clitoris. And the nerve endings that were in it um, reattach. And so part of the recovery process is your brain figuring out where those nerve endings moved to and remapping things. Hmm. So um, so your your sense of... So like you, you probably can't have an orgasm right, right away and you shouldn't be messing with it anyways because it's like still really messed up. Yeah. Um, but like over time it gets more and more sensitive and, and more and more, you know, like a, like a cis vagina, but it doesn't, it doesn't lubricate. So you need to use lube. What's the turnaround time from that surgery to when you can actually get down and nasty again, you know? Um, you can be cautious with it after a month, I believe, but they recommend you wait a bit longer than that. Well, what about this? Because you you bring up something that triggered something in me because I think it's a, a great topic of conversation here. So you were saying that the brain can kind of like reconfigure itself into knowing where your pleasure spots are in the body. Now, I have a lot of porn star friends and they've all told me that the male G spot is in is, is through the anus. Like you have to. The prostate. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. The prostate. So the whole of, yeah, so this is interesting. The whole of the, where the vagina goes actually goes between the anus and the prostate. So the prostate does become basically where the G spot is. So Mm -hmm. it's, so you, you, yeah, so that's part of the pleasure that you get from penetration. And it becomes, and so you actually can't get that pleasure from um, anal anymore because um, the prostate's not right there anymore. So basically, you're going to have a double orgasm because you're going to get hit in both spots eventually, right? Is that pretty much? I mean, it, it's you. it's probably just one orgasm, but a really strong one, maybe. I don't know. I've never <laughs> orgasmed from that part of myself. <laughs> <laughs> what happens if you stop taking these hormones? Is this something you have to take for the rest of your life? Or if you stop taking them, then you revert back to your quote unquote original form? Yeah. So there's a certain amount of um, revert like reverting that happens um the breasts don't necessarily go away completely they just kind of deflate um trans men will attest to that 
when they are given testosterone enough to suppress their estrogen. Um, but the hips won't go back. Um, the, the muscular, the, the, the facial structures will go back. Um, and the body hair will come back. And oh. the mind fuckiness will come back. What goes on in the mind when you're taking these, these hormones? Um, a trans guy friend of mine put it really well, I think. Uh, he said, it's like if you had a car, a gasoline car, but the dealership told you that, that you needed to pump it with diesel. And so you pumped it with diesel for years and it'll run, but it's not happy. And you can tell that the engine is upset. Until you take it into a mechanic one day and they say, what are you doing pumping this with? You're supposed to pump it with gasoline. And they go, and, and then you go and you pump it with gasoline and it just runs so much smoother. It's basically that. That's a hell of, that's a, that's a, hell of a thing right there. That's freaking amazing. I, I really like that. I'm going to steal that one. So like, yeah, the mind is like the mind developed to run on a certain balance of chemicals and normally the mind develops to run on the same balance of chemicals that your body produces. But in my case, that's simply just not the case. And so um, I just feel, I feel healthier. That makes sense. And you know, whatever makes you happy and healthy, you should keep doing it. So yeah, but I do have to take hormones. You have to take estrogen forever after, um, uh, an orchiectomy, which is neutering, um, or bottom surgery. Like any, anytime you get rid of the testicles, you're stuck and you have to, and you have to take a form of hormone for the rest of your life. Because if your body doesn't have one or the other sex hormones in your body, like some, some sex hormones, it really messes with your body and, uh, you, it weakens your bones over time and, and, increases your risks of cancer and like it gets real bad what about this because this is something i've always wanted to ask someone of you know the opposite gender or whatever um the voice changing did you have a traditional like male voice and how did that change because you because if i didn't put trans in the title of this podcast people would think i was talking to a person who was born as a woman when did that start and how does that happen? So um, it's all effort. Um, so for, for trans men, the testosterone that they take does lower their voice. That is, But that is a permanent change. Taking estrogen has no effect on the voice. And so um, you might not believe this, but when I was in church, I sang baseline. Really? Yes. But I got my first start towards my um, voice uh, vocal training, I think is what most trans people call it, um, when I decided that I wanted to move up and help my mom, who was the choir director, so that uh, she could kind of phase out and retire from that. And so I wanted to be the choir director, but in order to be the choir director, um, generally it's preferred if you go through being a cantor first. But I couldn't reach the line that like I couldn't I didn't have the vocal reach to hit the melodies. 
So I couldn't be a cantor as I was. And so I just started singing in the car with the artists that I had no business singing with. And just over time, I think it took me about two years, I got to the point that I was a tenor and could almost, almost hit alto lines. And so um, since I came out, I don't sing professionally anymore, but I do sing in the car still. And so I think I, I have managed to finish that that um, journey. And I do think I'm an alto now. How do you do that? Like, how do you change your voice? Because, like, you know, it's just a natural thing to do is to talk in your natural voice. How do you change how you talk? And is it kind of like you're you're doing a voice? Because, like, I do, you know, certain voices sometimes on the podcast where I can, like, hop into something. But then I have to come back out of it because my throat hurts or I just can't hold it up for long. But you're talking like a, you know, real woman all the time. And is this something you have to put on or is it natural at this point? Like, how do you do, do that? So it, it's kind of a case of... Um relying on atrophy actually so it is a voice to start it, it is putting on a voice to performance when i first got started um and it felt fake it felt horrible but i did it anyways because it was it helped me pass and that was more important at the time but the more you use it the the less you use the lower part of your register the more that lower part of your register atrophies and your body in some way forgets how to talk that way. Hmm. Like I tried the other day to um, just to kind of show my friends who didn't believe that I was a bass. Like I, I tried to show him where I came from, but I can't reach that low anymore. At best, I can do a tenor voice, but that's when I'm pushing it. Then that became the voice that I have to put on. And so it's it's just kind of like your body gets used to, you know, how your muscles move because it's a muscle that controls your voice. It'd be like if you were to suddenly decide that you're going to walk on your toes all day for six months. And then after six months, try to start walking on your heels again and see how often you catch yourself walking on your toes without realizing it. That's an amazing analogy right there. You're, you're, you know, you are probably the best thing that's ever happened to this podcast because I've had questions for a long time, and I really appreciate you. Once again, I just want to say I appreciate you for coming on and being so open and honest and just talking about this stuff because I'm very naive, and I think a lot of my listeners, because we get a lot of listeners, uh, some people are confused, and they just need answers. They need to hear someone else say things that they're thinking inside their heads. So thank you once again for coming on. Of course. Yeah, I'm... Um... It's it's an interesting topic, and I wish that more people could see past the stigma around it and just see it as the interesting topic that it is. Granted, don't go asking just any trans person any question that you want. Like this is this is who I am. I also have done talks at colleges on the trans experience. So like this is part of what I do. It's how I make sense of my of my reality um so you can ask questions to me but most trans people aren't going to um like a lot of these questions 
Oh, of course. But but the thing is, is like people have to have conversations in life and the conversations are what makes us grow. And some people can't take no for an answer. They can take a differentiating opinion or whatever. But I like the podcast because we can have a conversation right now. Like I'm a dumbass, I'm naive, and you've lived this lifestyle. And I like to hear about other people's experiences. So, I mean, like we need more of this in the world. And I think it'd be a better place if we had more of it. I agree. So let me ask you this. Because, because like I, I have more questions because like we got a lot of of, of people sending in questions that you know because like once I announced I was gonna have a person with trans lifestyle the email blew up so the Adam's apple thing did you get rid of it is it still there um, mine is still there um, there is a surgery to reduce it but there is some risk of damage to the vocal cords for me. Um, Part of raising your voice raises the Adam's apple. And so my Adam's apple kind of blends into where that seam in your neck is. Yeah. So most people look at me and say, you don't have an Adam's apple. And then I like relax my neck muscles and it drops. And it's like, oh, there it is. Another part of it, too, is I wear chokers daily um, to hide some of it. Now, my Adam's apple is above the choker. But the choker just attracts enough attention to it, even subconsciously, that the Adam's apple isn't really a thing anymore. And I also do wear my foundation down my neck. And so it kind of helps, you know, the the foundation is a little matte, so it doesn't have the same shadowing effect of natural Mm -hmm. skin. Now, you mentioned the foundation. Is it the hardest thing about learning how to live as a woman is putting on that goddamn makeup? Because as a man, the nicest thing is being able to shave my head bald and not worry about shit. Well, okay. So the reality is that even as a woman, you don't have to wear makeup every day. And I certainly don't wear tons of makeup every day. I definitely put foundation on every day. But that's more to cover up um, whatever beard shadow I have. And I'm lucky in that my facial hair is relatively light, so I can just do a light foundation. It'll last me all day. Um, Other trans women have to shave multiple times a day if they really want to keep it in check. Um, But so I wear foundation every day. Some days I go all out and do the full makeup. It was definitely a learning experience. And if there's any, like, trans... um, Listeners out there who are like trying to get a hand of like, what do I do? Uh, Start like piece by piece. Um, Learn how to do things one at a time. And so like, for example, I did foundation and contouring first, which I don't recommend because contouring is not good to do during the day because it makes you look over makeup um other things you can try is getting a hand of um curling your lashes and putting mascara on some i I know plenty of cis women who just do foundation and mascara um but just kind of like learn one thing at a time learning it all at once yes very overwhelming learning things one at a time and taking five months to really get good at it uh, as, as to get good at everything yeah that's totally doable. How did you learn all this stuff? Because like makeup in itself, like when you watch a woman put makeup on, 
it is like a fucking work of art, you know, and like they hire makeup artists, people that are professionals to put this stuff on people that don't know how to do it themselves. How did you learn that? Um, as many cis women will attest, YouTube tutorials. <laughs> and um, uh, like the, you don't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be good even to get the effect that you're looking for. Um, I think I have gotten pretty good at makeup. But, like, that's, I definitely wasn't good to start with. I mean, I do have a bit of a background in art. So, like, I'm, I'm good with my hands. So, like, I did have that benefit going into it. But it still took some getting used to. Do you find it harder? Because, like, you, you've lived most of your life as a man. Do you find it harder living your life as a man or a woman? Um, that's a difficult question to ask because, um, it's been so recently that I have started passing so well that I still don't really live my life as a woman. I live my life as a trans woman with that mm -hmm. fear of the world. And that's difficult, but really not, not more difficult than living my entire life with this, you know, grayed out world and depression and like that was harder but if you're talking about the the societal expectations living as a woman is harder i would have to agree um like i like i have two daughters and i have a wife obviously um and uh it just seems like women get a lot of bad breaks in life and you know like you had a choice and you became a woman so that's so that's why i wanted to ask that question because I really want to know, like, what's the opposite side like? Like, do you yeah. get different looks and stuff like that? But the hardest part to get used to, sorry, mm -hmm. um, was oh, right ahead, please was not being able to walk around at night because I am a night owl. I, I'm I'm astonished that I was able to wake up on time to record this with you. Um, like, I normally operate from 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. somewhere around those times. So being able to not or not being able to walk down to the nearby 7-Eleven and get some snacks. I have to drive now, even if it's just a couple blocks. And even that I shouldn't be doing, but I have to do it anyways because, like, I need food. Um, mm -hmm. So, like, just not being able to walk around at night, you kind of take on this this persona. Like, I, I play much more the tough act now than I ever did as a guy because no one cared about me as a guy. I could be the scrawny, lengthy, lanky dude that anyone could fight and nothing would happen to me. I can't do that now. I have to know how to carry myself. Of course. Now, now, now can I ask you this question here? How do you feel about the whole bathroom situation? Like, which bathroom do you use now? I use the women's bathroom. Do you ever get looks or, or do you just kind of pass it off, like just go in there and just sit down at the toilet and whatever you have to do? And I know it's a very personal question, but it's something that our listeners have sent in. They, like that was probably the number one question that was sent then. Yeah. So I guess I got looks from time to time. Um, I use uh, gender neutral bathrooms whenever I can find them. And when I'm driving, when I'm driving for Uber, because of the men that I've encountered, I only wear foundation intentionally to like downplay 
the attractiveness factor as much as I can without being in male form because that's not fun for me. Um, and so I use the, the I, I actually intentionally go to places with gender neutral bathrooms when I'm driving um, because I don't know how far I might have slid down the spectrum towards masculine. <clears throat> and so it's better just not to worry about it. I don't mm. want to freak anyone out. But like the way I am now, I'd be freaking people out if I went into the men's restroom. Yeah, and, and, and I do agree because like if like if I was taking the piss in a urinal at like a Walmart and a trans woman walks in and takes a piss next to me, like you're definitely gonna look at that person a certain <laughs> way. Yeah. I mean, like, like it's just a natural human reaction. Like I have no bias at all against anyone in life. Like that's the reason why I wanted to have you on so we can talk, but like it will. And, and it's just something inside of us where you see something that doesn't happen every day. You're going to look twice at it. Yeah. You know, like like it's, it's, it's just natural. It's going to happen. But like, if I go into the women's restroom, most of the time it's like, people don't look at me. I do notice people look at me a lot more if I look nervous. Yeah. Um, so again, it's a lot of fake it till you make it for any of our trans, uh, listeners. I really have no idea how many you might even have, but just in case, like, and that's the thing in California, California does have a bill that states that, um, trans people can use the restroom that correlates with their, uh, chosen gender. So... I don't have to worry about the legality of it in other like Southern states that might be more of a problem. Yeah. Um, so again, it's, it's very, my life is very particular to the life that I have lived. Right. So yeah. <clears throat> what I say isn't necessarily universal, but I use the women's restroom because it makes me more, com- more comfortable and it makes the people around me more comfortable. How do you deal with the people that are looking at you like sideways, you know, like cross-eyed or whatever? Do you just ignore them or like ha- like like what happens there? Yeah, you just ignore them. Um, like they can't do anything because if they do yeah. anything that like if they really do anything, that's assault. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So I'm going to trust the better judgment of the people around me, even though I probably shouldn't because humanity sucks sometimes. But yeah, I just kind of... Um, don't put yourself in a position where you're at risk. So like, don't be going down any dark alleys alone and ignore the people that are looking at you sideways. It's the same thing. Like if I were, uh, you know, a guy on a date with a woman and didn't realize that, or I I don't know, it's the same thing. Like if someone were looking at you sideways, you wouldn't, you wouldn't instigate them unless you're one of those people. Oh, no, 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 definitely not. I'm a pussycat. Um, and you would just ignore them and just, like, not go near them. That's kind of what I do. And most of the time, most of the time now, when I catch people making eyes at me, it's men and it's a different kind of making eyes. So. What do you mean by that? What, like a different kind of eyes? Um, Like, they're they're just eyeing me as a potential for the night. No, you see, and, and like, that's the weird thing about men. And and that's why I would, you know, if I were you, I would steer towards women more because men are, are just fucking creeps, dude. Like we are fucking creeps. And I'm going to be honest, because I'm a guy, obviously. I, I, I'm a fucking creep. 
all men are creeps. The thing about men is like they don't give a shit what they're sleeping with as long as they have something to sleep with. So it's yeah. very tough, especially in your situation, because like you, you can have a perfectly happy man at home, got the greatest wife in the world, got the greatest kids or whatever, dogs, house, great job, great money. But they always want something more and they want something different. And then they might see you out there and they're like, hey, look, there's that something different. And then they get what they want, but then they're afraid of the repercussions of being found out. And then yeah. that's where the bad shit happens. And that's where having a good um, set of personal rules comes in. You know, the whole like, I'm not going home with you tonight. If you take me out on a date, possibilities might open up. But you also don't get to come to my house until I know you really well. Um, which means that we're either going to a hotel or we're going to your place. And that's another rule. I don't go to hotels. It's a waste of money. And if you can't take me home, then it makes me wonder why. Yep. Um, it's great so, advice for people. So, yeah, like for the women out there, too, just set up rules that you feel will protect you and stick with it. Like, I've been made to feel guilty for not going home with a guy, but ultimately my safety far outweighs anyone's momentary damage to ego. And that is probably one of the most difficult lessons I had to learn through this process. And it sucks that women, that it's so common for women to be put in that position. So I, I know that I'm probably the, the late one to the party and that all of your women listeners probably have already figured that out because they've lived through it. Yeah. But it's recent to me. So it's, I don't know, it's important. Well, it's it's a great life lesson. It's something that everyone should probably live by. Man or woman, no matter what gender or sexuality, I, I believe that you should always protect yourself. And that's very good advice. But can I ask you about school? Like when, when you were in school, what was it like knowing that you had this secret? Did you have to project yourself as the stereotypical guy? Like were you a sports athlete or did you have to act a certain way because you felt like you had to pretend you were something you weren't? And how did your peers react to you? Like, did they see something like maybe they saw that you were, you know, quote unquote, different from them? Well, OK, growing up, I was constantly made fun of for being gay because I had, you know, some effeminate tendencies. And I had yeah. other friends that went about trying to fix those tendencies, like through operant conditioning and whatnot. Um, so, like, it wasn't... I didn't really intentionally put on a mask because I'm not overly feminine of a person. So I just thought, like, eh, casually being me... You know, the, the, the guy that doesn't really guy up a bunch sure, was fine enough. Um, I was the marching band nerd. I was in the jazz orchestra um, in the honors track all, all four years of college. When I was in or in, in high school, in college, when I was in college, I um, was kind of a stick in the mud. Didn't go out to too many parties. And when I did go to the parties... I would just find a corner to stay in and um, occasionally girls would come over and start trying to hit on me, but I wasn't comfortable. Um, and so I would leave and go home after about an hour. Um, so I don't, 
Did I answer your question at all? I don't know. I just started talking. Oh, oh, no. The, <laughs> the thing about this podcast, a lot of people don't realize, and I don't know if you listen to any episodes before we did this, is that we just kind of go all over the place and, you know, like we just kind of bounce around. But the thing is, is that the information is there. And you did answer the question, and it's a very good answer. The thing is, it's like I only appreciate honesty, and you've been very honest and candid, and I appreciate you for that. Yeah, it's it's so easy to be honest. It's like you don't have to think too hard about anything. Yeah. I used to be I used to be the worst liar, and I used to be a, a manipulator, and I used to be terrible about just not sharing the truth, and. Part of my journey to get to here was realizing that I didn't really get anything out of that. Mm -hmm. Now, where do you buy your clothes? Do you buy men's? Like, when you go shopping, do you go to the men's or women's section? Do you buy men clothes or women's clothes exclusively? How do you dress? Um, I buy women's clothes exclusively now. There are a few articles, um, ancient artifacts from my previous life that I still do wear. Um, but I selected them specifically because they, um, they like, even if they were men's clothes, they still either had a texture that was, that was suitable for women's clothing or it had a shape to it that, that, um, uh, complemented my figure. Um, like, uh, the the sweatshirt that I or the jacket that I wear when I'm when I'm driving for Uber is technically a men's jacket, but it has pockets on the breast, which makes my boobs look bigger, which I like, so I still have it. <laughs> um, so I only buy women's clothes, but I still have men's clothes. All my pants are women's clothes now. It's strange enough, but I actually fit in women's sizes better than men's sizes because of how tall and skinny I am. In men's sizes, when you go up a size. When you go up from from small to medium, it it just gets bigger in every dimension. Mm, and so, okay. if I need to go up in a size um, to get extra length out of a out of a t shirt, then all of a sudden it's like way too big on me sideways. It makes sense. Versus women's sizes, um, they're all the same length. They're all super long because, or or like you you just you just find a cut that's long. And then the sizing is more just a just a sideways thing. And so um, while my arms are long, I can still find sweatshirts that are intended to be like overlong on cis women that are then like perfect length on me. It's just it's a different style of shopping, but mm -hmm. the the sizing on women's clothing makes it simpler. Like you know, sometimes I'll try on a shirt. And I'll know, okay, there's not going to be any size of this shirt that's going to work for me. And just move on. But with, with men's, it was like nothing ever really fit. Sure, I could get pants that were the right size because they're all sorted into waist length men measurements. But women's pants don't have to hit you right at the bottom of the leg. They can be a little high. They can be baggy. It doesn't like... It depends on what look you're going for. So I can actually wear normal women's pants, just have them be a little higher, and that's totally fine. I just have to shave that, like, two inches of my leg, which I really should be shaving my whole leg, but I don't like going through that effort. <laughs> no, I completely understand, and my wife will attest to this, too, because, like, she will sometimes say, 
I'm not shaving today. I don't feel like it. And so I get it. I, I, I really, I hear it all the time. So I understand. Do you have any fear that one day you um, might regret this, like regret transitioning? Do you think that will ever happen? I mean, of course it's a fear. I don't know if it's a fear that comes from an honest place or if it's just like that, that fear of regret that we have with every decision that we make. Like, am mm-hmm. I going to regret going to college? Am I going to regret buying this car? Am I going to regret moving to a different state? I think of it in a very similar terms to that. Um, but with fewer inclinations that it would become a real regret because those other things, those other lifestyle choices have no foundation in um, the chemistry of your brain and, and how these hormones have made my brain feel better. So even if I were to reverse my transition, I don't think I could go back to not being on these meds. Because <clears throat> that would mean that would mean choosing dissociation, choosing depression. That makes so that makes so much sense. I mean, like, like, because, like, that's always my main thing is because, like, you, you're going to make a change in your life, a change to your body that is irreversible, and I just fear that one day, if someone were to do something to themselves that they can't reverse, like, what happens after that? Because, like, all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, I wish I didn't do that, and you can't reverse it. Because, like, let's say you go through that gender reassignment surgery, and you get rid of your penis. Maybe one day you'll be like, shit, I wish I had my, you know, dick back or whatever. Like, you can't come back from that. So how do you get comfortable with yourself and your decision in life enough that you finally, like, put that nail in a coffin? Like, hey, this is what I'm doing and I'll never, you know, change my mind. You know, like you you think about it a lot. Like, you think about it for years. And, like, when, when you think about something for years and years and years and you constantly come to the same conclusion, like... Even while your life is going through major changes, if those decisions stay the same, then that's the right decision. Hmm. Okay. No, that, that's 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 a great answer. It's, it's perfect. Then, because like, I guess people. Yeah, I guess. Here's another question: Is like, how much do you think before you get a new tattoo? Yeah. Yeah. And, those and are I permanent. Can... I mean, yeah. it's easier to reverse that, but those are permanent. And depending on where you get them, they can have a an impact on your higher ability, and they can they can they can have long lasting impacts on who you are as a person. But we get those without second guessing it. <laughs> exactly. I've got a couple that I regret. I actually got one covered up recently that I hated, and it was a really dumb tattoo, and I got it covered up. But you can't cover up losing an organ. Yeah. At but like. At that point, if if ever it becomes something that you regret, then it becomes something that you deal with. Yeah. And, you know, it's... Perfect. It makes perfect sense. Everything you're saying is just, you know, makes perfect sense. Do you want kids one day? Absolutely. But um, I haven't banked sperm and I'm probably too far in the hormones to really be that viable anymore um, if I were to stop them. So they're not going to be mine, but if I'm with a woman, then I intend to borrow from my brother. He doesn't know this yet, 
don't tell him. Shh. <laughs> I, I trust me, I won't. Um, because we all, we were always told growing up that we were twins or that we looked like twins that were separated by four years. Um, so like I'm not concerned about that. If I end up with a man, though, um, I wouldn't be able to donate half of my uh, DNA, anyways. So there's actually this new procedure for cis women only that has been um, going through trials and has been successful. The, the uterine transplant mm-hmm. um, that uh, the medical community is, I think, just now starting to look into um, the potential of, of doing that for trans women. Because, like, yeah, if, if, if having a vagina is super beneficial for, um, for their mental health, like, imagine what a uterus could do. Like, that's the mentality behind it. And so if I were to end up with a man, I would, I would probably want to, to have, get that procedure done like as soon as it's available. Sure. I've got three more questions for you that were sent in by readers. So, I, and this has been a great conversation. I can't believe an hour and a half has passed by in a matter of like two minutes because like that's how things happen when you're having a good conversation with someone. Yeah, this has been fun. Let me ask you this. Uh, would you prefer or like what do you ultimately think you're going to end up with or who do you think you're a man or a woman do you think you're going to ultimately end up with a life partner or or husband wife like man or woman what do you think you're going to end up with or what would you rather have see i've just i've had enough um like I guess I'll just use the word relationships. Like I'll, I've had enough interactions with both and I know my reaction to both that I just genuinely can't even predict because when it's the right person, it'll just be the right person. Yeah. No, that's no, that's perfect because like we never know until, you know, you don't know until you lock eyes with someone, you have a conversation or two with yeah. them. And uh, it's hey, the same kind know. of question that you get that, that bisexual people, get asked all the time and it's like if you go on reddit on the bisexual reddit like the question some of the questions that they ask they're really irritated by a lot of those questions because like or like do you cheat on your on your girlfriend or like no i don't because i love them it doesn't like yeah being bisexual doesn't doesn't change the reality of what it means to be in a relationship it's just a whole weird thing too when you go on the internet because like people all have ulterior motives and like you don't know if someone's genuine or not. That's why like sometimes when I reach out to people on the internet to come on for an interview, you're always kind of wary of what you're going to get because like people always project something that they're not on the internet because you could be anonymous. You could be anyone you want. So yeah. you never know what you're truly getting. I was fully prepared to come on to this podcast and be absolutely roasted and like have it be the worst experience I was prepared for that, but like, I don't know. It just felt like, I just felt like this was responding to your post, like just felt like I needed to do it. And I appreciate you for responding to it because the thing is, is like, we don't roast people. We learn, we try to learn, we try to teach other people because there's so much ignorance in the world that it's nice when, you know, someone like me, who and I admittedly have used, you know, horrible language in the past because I 
don't understand the the harm and the hurt behind certain words. And I'm saying, you know, like the F word or whatever, because you don't understand the pain that others may feel behind that. And so I thank you for enlightening me, you know, and maybe I will, you know, not use that word so much because I grew up with that word. Like, you know, like you uh, play with your friends in, 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 you know, elementary school. Hey, you're gay, but you don't mean like any harm behind it. It's it's just a word that you grew up using. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know what the fuck I'm even saying right now, but I, no, I do appreciate you. Yeah, you know? I had to go through a similar um, a similar metamorphosis because like ever since I came out as trans and I'm suddenly surrounded by people or by queer people. And it's like, oh, a lot of the way that I generally talk just doesn't fly around here. <laughs> so, I mean, I get that. Um so I guess I'll just take this moment to say, like, the list of words that you should not use to refer to a trans woman include um, F word, you know. Of course. I don't know if I should say it, but don't refer to us as trannies. Don't refer to us as shemales. Um, basically, any term that you would see in a porn video, don't <laughs> use in real life. <laughs> Transgender is an adjective, not a noun. Okay. Um, and, you know, better than everything is just to refer to a trans woman as a woman. That is, is such a good answer. And that's something I was going to ask you as well, because, like, there are certain words now that, like, people put some kind of currency on words that you can't use and you can't use and you can't do this, you can't do that. So I, I thank you for clarifying that. But I do want to ask you this because, like, there's 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 two more questions on this list, okay. and we've been talking a lot about celebrities on our podcast. And there's this one celebrity in, in general named Billy Porter, where he has to go out there and he wears like gowns and shit and all this other crazy stuff. How do you feel as a trans person? Are you like clapping your hands like, "Hey, good for you for being brave," or "Hey, you're an attention whore"? Um, I guess it depends. I'm much more interested in the intentionality behind something and so if it's a statement being made of like how stupid is it that you guys are all reacting to me dressing like this i completely support that sentiment um or like just the desire to break down societal norms in general that kind of anarchist energy i am not an anarchist but i can respect that um Mm -hmm. The only time that I ever have a have a like a um, if the, if it ever becomes like uncertain whether or not it's a veiled um, kind of um, commentary on trans people specifically, then that changes things. And I'm not a fan of of drag culture, but that's more of like because it's rude and cutthroat most of the time it has nothing to do with it being men in dresses there was another story too where um will smith's kid uh jaden smith came out there and said that some dude was his boyfriend and he wears like this uh you know like um whatever the hell what what's the word uh like gender neutral i guess clothing he wears it in public do you feel like that's watering down people that have genuine trans feelings like they're using it for attention do you get disgusted by that? Does it piss you off a little bit? Or do you really feel like these people have these inclinations in their brain? 
where they really feel like they're trans. I guess I, I don't care. Um, I, I do have thoughts and I'll get to them, but I guess the, where I'll start is given from what I've talked about, all of the stigma, all of this discrimination, do you really think there's people out there who would do who would who would play trans for attention? Because it's not a fun experience. It's not a fun existence to be seen that way. I don't see how how it'd be possible for someone to just do it for fun. Um, I can see that someone might be confused um, and, and stumble across. Uh, trans and like try it out and then decide it's not for them but here's the thing about being trans is like part of being trans is this journey of self self exploration and that's really what the trans movement embraces and yet there's this sub this subset of trans people that want to take that self exploration away from people and i think that is stupid even if someone comes to the conclusion later on, after they've tried a bunch of things, that it's really not for them. They should not be ridiculed for trying out something. And there should never be the stigma against trying out something in the hopes that you'll find who you are. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree 100%. It, it's, yeah, exactly. And so for non-binary people, I wholeheartedly welcome them because... Just because it's different from my experience doesn't mean it's not a real experience. Like uh, cis people cannot understand what what goes on in my head, and that's totally fine. They don't have to one hundred percent understand; they just have to accept it. And so that's the same for binary trans people when dealing with non-binary trans people. Like it's a it's a reality that we don't have an insight into, so we shouldn't be judging. Exactly. You shouldn't judge anybody in life because everyone's experience is different. And that's just the way life works. Like everyone, you know, grows up in different backgrounds and has different, you know, situations that happen. And you shouldn't judge someone, you know, based off of your own personal experience because you don't know what the fuck they're going through. And I believe like we should all just respect each other. But that's something that we've lost over the, you know, past however many years, you know, but we've just lost that. We just don't respect each other anymore. And that's, you know, something that sucks. Yeah. And like, you know, I actually, there's this big debate over whether or not parents should encourage their kids to experiment with other genders. And I firmly believe that they should, because if they were to do so, a cis kid that tried out the trans experience is going to first and foremost have more respect for trans people and what they go through. And second most, they're going to respect and appreciate their cis identity that much more. And it and it becomes a source of pride for them in that case. Like it becomes something that they can enjoy about themselves. Now, let me ask you this because like this does bring about another question. What age do you think a person knows what or who they are supposed to be? Because there are a couple stories in the news where like celebrities are encouraging their kids at like two or three years old to be something that they may or may not know that they are. Um, that one actress, what the hell's her name? Um, uh, Charlize Theron or whatever her name is. is yeah, she, I don't, yeah. I, I don't appreciate pushing your kids to be one way or another. I'm much more of a hands-off parent kind of kind mm -hmm. of thing. Where like, 
you know, <clears throat> offer the the dolls instead of the trucks to the boys. Offer the trucks to the girls instead of the dolls. But don't get them for them unless they say, yeah, I, w- I, would, I would enjoy playing with that. Please give me that. Like, leave it up to the kids to figure out who they are. And as long as you do that, then as soon as they decide, as soon as they decide and, they, and they've been secure in that decision for long enough, I would say a few years, then like, I'd say that's a pretty good determination because kids are honest, right? Oh, yeah. And so if a, if a kid is consistent for three years or so, that's probably where they're going to be. And See, so I, I agree with you right there. hundred percent. And so like, um, now for trans medication for, um, minors, it's a bit different. I, um, I am a big proponent of puberty blockers because they don't damage, they don't do damage. Um, they just delay puberty. Like, so if you put cis pe- uh, cis kids on puberty blockers and they decide that they're not trans after four years and you take them off puberty blockers, they just start puberty then. Like it doesn't, it doesn't change anything about their ultimate life overall. And so um, I don't see the, the, the outcry against it, but there is a difference between putting a nine-year-old on puberty blockers versus putting a nine-year-old on testosterone like that. I, I, I would say that, um, you know, the, the hormone treatment can start when you would realistically be starting, you know, your normal puberty. So like somewhere 14, 15, maybe 16. Um, but not sooner than that. Come on, parents. It's weird because, like, I've never heard of that before. Like, like the puberty, I've never heard of that before. So you just taught me something else that I've never known. But I did want to kind of touch on something that we did just talk about. And, like, like I'm a guy who likes the color pink. Like, pink and blue are my two favorite colors, right? Male and female colors, obviously. So if I was a kid back in 1982 you know, when I was born and I pointed to a pink T-shirt and I'm like, hey, I love the color pink. Nowadays, if people do that same thing, they might assume that their kid is a trans or they, or they might, you know, start doing things to hurt their child in the future when they may come out and say, hey, I'm just a dude who likes that color. Yeah, I feel like we kind of self-assign certain things to certain genders because, like, that's the way things always were. Like, pink was for girls and blue was for mm-hmm. boys. And but we, that's why. We, we, yeah, we're sorry. so close. To it. I shouldn't interrupt. I'm sorry. No, I'm bad at that. No, please go ahead. Like people are listening for you, not for me. Trust me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I get it. So it's because we as a society over um, emphasize gender in our experience of society. And so part of why it's important to let boys like pink is that when you do that, when you let boys play with dolls when you let boys play with pink and still be boys it allows you to see into the true insights behind who they are like what gender they are and it becomes and and it allows you to separate out that expectation of like oh they like pink they must be a girl we only have that because of how how society has turned pink into a woman's color And so, yeah, if if um, if we get away from that and we don't assume gender based off of preferences 
and like just allow a kid to say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a boy when I grow up. Because that's like one of the most common stories that I've heard from trans people is that like they told, they would tell parents that they're going to be a bride if they're, if they're a boy. And so, or like they expect to be a mom if they're a boy or they are like, no, I'm a, uh, I'm a boy. I'm going to be just like my dad if they grew, if they were born and designated a girl by the doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, those are the things that, to me, I would pay attention to. I wouldn't care if they were playing with dolls, but if if they um, if society keeps these strict expectations of behaviors on, um, then it becomes harder to tell when someone's gender is out of line just based off of deviant behaviors. And I don't use deviant as in like not good. I'm, I'm just deviant yeah. as a non-standard. No, I no, I, I I I agree with everything you're saying, but it's just a weird thing how we have this supposed to attitude in society where the men are supposed to do this, the women are supposed to do that, and we yeah. can't deviate from that behavior because that's how things always were growing up, and we are so opposite change, like we can't get past that. Where you know, men like blue. Women like pink. If you like the other side, you're gay or you're not the way you're supposed to be. And we're just so close-minded. It's fucking obnoxious. Because as a guy, I'm not allowed to like certain things that women are supposed to like. When I was growing up, I used to watch a soap opera, General Hospital. And when I told my friends, hey, I have to get home at 3 o'clock on East Coast time to watch General Hospital, they said, hey, you're gay. Women watch soap operas. <laughs> when the hell can we get past that shit? Where yeah. we're just, you know, like, you're not supposed to like, just like what you like and just shut the fuck up. And I'm guilty of this because I saw that Billy Porter guy dressed as a woman. Like, he had, like, a gown on. I'm like, this guy looks like an asshole. But maybe I should get out of that mindset where, you know what, it's it's it, it's just fabric on someone's body. It's not what they're supposed to do. It's just what they want to wear. Yeah, and, like... Before I came out as trans, before I realized that that was a real thing, I was extremely comfortable in my masculinity because of all of these different things that I did. Like, it, it's, it sounds really weird, but, like, stick with me on this. Um, <laughs> so I grew up um, being made fun of for my feminine tendencies. I grew up... Um, and I had a fascination with making jewelry and I didn't like to be um, the one to initiate first with girls. I really appreciated girls who would initiate with me. And it's like all these things that I got made fun of. It's like, that's not being a real man. But I became like, I grew confident in who I was separately from my trans identity and just allowed me to enjoy allowed myself to enjoy those things and um like after i was able to reconcile those things with not being weird like when i was able to separate that it's, it's just me like those are mm -hmm. things that i like it allowed me to look back at certain things that were less just things that i like and things that told a real story. Like yeah. when I broke down crying 
the first time someone called me handsome instead of cute. Like, that's a memory for me that makes a lot more sense now that I am living as a woman. But it didn't really make sense when when I was still living as a guy. It doesn't make sense. No, I no, I, I bet it wouldn't. I mean, holy shit. It, it, it's, just, it's just such a tough way to grow up because, like, I've, I, I've always known who and what I am. And I'm constantly learning things about myself every single day. But just to realize, like, hey, you know, like, I'm not the right gender is something I could never wrap my head around. But do you ever honestly think that one day being transgender is going to be a socially acceptable thing by everyone? Because I know everyone can't get on the same path or, or mindset or whatever. But we're in a society now where it is becoming more accepted. So do you feel more comfortable now? Do you think you're ever going to get out there and date or feel more comfortable in your own skin? Yeah. I mean, I'm already kind of there for the most part. Um, most days being trans isn't that much of a factor in what I think and what I do. I just, I live the majority of my time as a woman, like the main difference most days is I shave in the morning before I put on foundation. So the shaving, my face thing, that's a little different. And then every time I use the restroom, I have to put my tuck back in place. But yeah. other than that, like it doesn't really factor into my life anymore. Like I'm just a normal person. I'm a normal girl. I do have one last question for you, and this one is a bit of a doozy, so I do want to, you know, just kind of... Saving the up. best for last. Of course, because I did have a, a, a MMA fighter on my last show. His name is Bulletproof Blake Troop. He's an MMA fighter, and he's a badass, really good guy. We had a topic, and, I, and this is where I really wanted to ask you a, a, a good question. How do you feel about transgender men that transition to women that are fighting against women that were born as women? Like, do you feel conflicted about that? Do you think it's fair? How do you feel? Oh boy, this is a doozy. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. So with trans sorry, women, Bill. trans women in, in women's sports is a topic that I feel very strongly about. And I feel very strongly in a way that gets me alienated from both sides of the argument. Because ultimately, um, it needs to be case by case, and there needs to be rules and, and standards set in place. Because, let's just take, okay, so when I first started hormones, I was in college, and I was in an anaero or anaerobic, aerobic fitness, the running and jumping, and, and like the being... Aerobic. Aerobic, thank you. I was in an aerobic <laughs> exercise class. Tuesday, I had a class, feeling good. Wednesday, I got my prescription th uh, and, and took the first dose. Thursday, I nearly died. So mm. testosterone in the body has a huge impact on uh, muscles' ability to recuperate. And so um, expecting trans women who have been on hormones for a long time to play against cis men is cruel. And I will not use any other words for that. But by the same metric, allowing non-medicalized trans women to play against cis women is cruel in the same regard. Because it's the same problem. It's simply an unfair matchup. And so 
there needs to be a system set in place to measure and to, to, to measure the differences and establish where the acceptable boundaries are and you know just simply have like get to the point where you can test a trans athlete's blood um, and have them do a um, chest volume um, measurement or, or like a, a, an air volume measurement, like do all these things that we know are different between men and women and test to see them and see how close they come to this mark of where it's acceptable for them to just be a slightly taller woman. Because, I mean, that's another thing. In sports where height yields an advantage, there's also just going to be tall cis women. So it stops being an advantage. Yeah. And so some of the some of the arguments just don't hold water when you look at them that way. But there is still a need to protect both the trans athlete and the cis athlete. And having a trans um, league, which is usually the other non-answer or the, the, the other med middle ground answer that comes about, doesn't work either because there's simply not enough athletes to keep and keep a completely separate league going because it takes money to run a league and the money comes from the viewership. And so if there's no viewership, which if, if you're competing with the cis league, um, there's fewer trans athletes, which means it's going to be less competitive, which means it's going to be less interesting, which means fewer viewers, less money. Eventually I would assume <clears throat> that the league just can't hold up anymore. Did you hear about the one, there's like a rapper or something out there, like England, his name is Zuby. And what he did was he, he said he identified as a woman and then he broke all like the deadlift records and did all that shit in like, you know, like a day or two. And then he came out and said like he did it as a joke. So, I mean, like th this is just a weird topic to talk about, but I feel like it's important because there's so many people talking about it. And I do appreciate your input and your and your great answer, by the way, because like I, I never thought of it from that angle. Because like here's my here's my yeah. perspective yeah, on it. Is it. like if if it's if some if a trans woman, whether it's a joke or not, if someone identifying as a trans woman um, has testosterone in their blood still, that's equivalent to doping, and that's what it should be looked at as. Not a trans argument, but an argument yeah. against steroid use. So let me ask you this, though, because, like, I'm very naive and I'm trying to learn here. So I'm born a man. I'm six foot. Right now I'm at about 175 pounds. If I said tomorrow, like, hey, I, I identify as a woman and I join the UFC and I knock out their world champion, is that fair? I mean, like, it, it, it's, it's just a weird thing to think about. But, like, this is the reality we're living in now. Yeah, I say no. I say if you if you are an athlete and you and you change your gender, you need to take some time and medicalize to to get up to where you need to be. That's just ever, my take on it. Can we ever minimalize the fact that men are born naturally stronger in in because like you do have your outliers. Like there are some women out there that are fucking absolute beasts, you know, like that can just kick the shit out of men or better in sports or naturally faster, stronger, whatever than men. But 
I would say in like eight out of 10 cases, men are born, you know, stronger and have more advantages than women in the physicality department. Do the testosterone pills or the estrogen, or the estrogen blocker or the testosterone blockers, estrogen pills, that's what I meant to say. Do they really even out the playing field that much? Absolutely. Like if you if you look around on the on the trans forums and find the ones from former bodybuilders who are concerned about losing their muscle mass and you look at the responses, the responses are sorry. Like hmm. you're going to you're going to lose it. You can do like you can still be a woman body bodybuilder, but the reality of a women a woman bodybuilder is different. And like you it does take time for that to balance out and you can still work excessively hard to develop muscles, but it's not going to come as easily as if you still had the testosterone in your body. And um, so I just, I've seen enough transitions, people going on hormones and having experienced it myself, like it's, I get where someone, how someone who doesn't understand the medications would come to the conclusion that it doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. when, but when the only argument that I hear is the musculature argument, the musculature isn't permanent. Like musculature is something that every athlete works to maintain. They're constantly losing muscle and rebuilding it. That's the cycle that happens. And so if if in the process losing testosterone changes that equation so that muscle deteriorates faster and you can't gain it as quickly, you're going to lose overall muscle mass. I, I, I really think this may be the most important part of the show because a lot of people has a misconception and you really clear that up. So I appreciate you for that answer. Yeah, and I just, I wish people didn't get so heated about it so that we could actually sit down and talk and explain these things to both sides of the argument because like there's there's just as many problems on the other side of the argument saying yeah if they identify as a woman they should be allowed to fight to fight as a woman it's like no 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 ultimately it's a competition and it should be a competition of skill that's what sports are unless you're a bodybuilder then it's a competition of effort. But if it's a competition of skill, then you want people to be on as even of a playing field as possible. And so if there's a cis woman who has uh, unnaturally high testosterone levels, which is possible, um, and, you know, has a heavy, and is a heavyweight, like, I'm not entirely certain what, the reason should be for them not to just be grouped by um i don't know i don't know because i haven't done any of these studies i can just imagine that things aren't as cut and dry as they seem simply because of my own experience like i working out to me is is different now like i can't do the weightlifting i just can't it doesn't work like I, I can't even get through one exercise of it. So I'm I'm stuck on this cardio stuff now. 
Well, I mean, the thing is, is like your your body's changing. So you change and you adapt and you have to do different things. I mean, like that's just how it works. And I'm so glad to have you here. And I feel blessed that our listeners can hear a different perspective because there are so many people out there that have no idea what the fuck a trans person goes through and how their body does change physiology, you know, wise or whatever. And they just throw out this opinion and, and call themselves an expert. So that's why I really wanted to have you on the show. And, you know, like you have been one of the most informative guests. And I really hope this story can help a lot of people out there. But I do want to ask you this in closing here. Do you have any words of wisdom or anything? And you could take as much time as you want. You could take a half hour, an hour, two hours, however much you need, because I want this podcast to help people. Do you have any words for someone that is in the closet, someone who's trying to be someone they're not? Someone who may be gay and like, you know, like has a hard time, you know, coming out to people or making friends or just has a, a, you know, just a secret that they're trying to keep to themselves. Do you have any words that will help them move on with their lives and become comfortable in their own skin? Well, for me, strangely enough, so I, I started my transition in an extremely liberal area and I had nothing to worry about, really. And then partway through, I lost my housing and had to come back to live with my dad. And I'm suddenly in a conservative area. It's really scary. Um, and I didn't leave the house for like six months until on my birthday, I ran into someone that I went to high school with who I got to talking with. And, and like, he was just genuinely okay with who I am today. And so my advice is three parts. First part, have a direction in your life, something that doesn't depend on who you are as a queer identity or who, who you are as, or your gender doesn't matter who you like is just a direction for what you want to get out of your life. First part. Second part, surround yourself with people who understand and accept you. Doesn't matter if you like them. It's just important to have them. Um, really, you don't have to like them. You don't have to spend a lot of time with them. They, you just have to know that they exist because it helps you get through the moments where you're alone. And thirdly, don't isolate yourself. Um, it's the time between when I moved back and I found my, my friends and I started going out every week. Like the time between that, when, when I went from living life in Long Beach to living life here maybe the second lowest place I've been in in my life. And so for it to get that low when I'm already feeling better from running on the right hormones was pretty significant. And it was because I was isolating myself. Never isolate yourself. And this goes to anyone dealing with trouble. Don't isolate yourself. People, the people around you who care about you will help you, but you got to let them. 
I, I really hope that those words will help someone out there because like we have a lot of listeners to this podcast. Like I'm not trying to humble brag or anything like that, but we got a lot of listeners and I really hope that your words help people because there are a lot of people out there dealing with this internally and you will never know. Like you could walk past in the supermarket. It could be a guy or a girl and they may have some internal trauma in their head where they're thinking there's something else, you know, and you just don't know, like they're kind of faceless because they don't put themselves out there and they internalize it. And it's important for people to, to kind of be who they're supposed to be on the outside. And I'm a big fan. I'm a big proponent of that. And Taylor, you have been such a great guest and I really appreciate you for opening up to me and just telling your story and helping other people, because that's what this thing is all about helping other people. Of course. And um, if, if uh, there's any questions that someone didn't get to ask or you didn't ask that they still want answers to, um, I do want to throw out my Twitter handle. It's a little, oh, it's yeah. a little quiet at the moment, but uh, don't mind that. I actually do still get notifications going to my phone. I just don't <laughs> check it. Plug um, your shit. So my uh, handle is, and don't worry, it's a false last name. Uh, T Sochek, T S O U C H E K is my Twitter handle. And you can always just send me some questions and I will do my best to answer that. If you are asking a question in bad faith, I will also lay into you. So maybe there's some entertainment value. <laughs> I love it. And please add me as well because my Twitter handle is at Voices of Misery. So add me as well and we'll and I'll retweet this and we'll, you know, we'll stay in touch because I feel like I learned a lot. My perspective has changed on everything. But um, is there anything else you want to plug? Do you, do, is it just a Twitter or do you have other stuff you want to promote? I anything? Think the Twitter is the best. Um, okay. I, I do have a, a business that I'm building as a virtual assistant, but I don't think, um, I don't know, I, I'm going to check out another job today they they told me to come by and so with any luck this will not be like the other times before and i will be able to get a job which will limit the amount of time that i can actually spend on that business so i don't want to get a ton of clients at the moment um well, that's fine I wish you all the best in that because i hope you get everything that comes to you in good faith because i, I think you're a good person and I think you have a lot to offer in life. And, you know, like you're, you're just doing a good favor to other people that may or may not have the same situation as you, you know, and like it's just good for people to hear people have a good conversation, open ended, just good stuff, man. And and like this is just great. And like I say, man, because like I'm, I'm not saying like man, because like, you know, I don't know. It's just one of those fucking <laughs> things that you just say. This, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Uh, California uses dude, so yeah, 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 like brah, you know, like when you're in, in in Hawaii or some shit. But whatever, Taylor, I think I made a friend for life, and I really want us to stay in touch because I think you're awesome, and you know, like I want to hear about your updates, and I'm gonna update our listeners because people are gonna care. They're gonna ask me questions. They're like, hey, what's up with Taylor? So I hope we stay in touch after this. Yeah, but of I course. Do agree. I do appreciate you coming on the Voices of Misery podcast, and uh, yeah amazing story and yeah like i wish you all the best in life so thank you for coming on thank you for having me it's always a fun time of course and we're gonna have you on again whether you like it or not
Awesome. I was going to say, if you want me on again, just let me know when you of have course. more more questions. Oh, there's always more. And you know what the funny thing is? It's like once you talk to someone and you're like, do you have any more questions? You're like, no. And then you get off the phone with them or the conversation. There's always like 10 more questions. So it's going to happen. And I'm going to write down more stuff. and We're going to do it again. All right. So I just followed you on Twitter. And uh, I so. will follow you back. Awesome. Thank you, Taylor. You have a good day. You too. Hey everyone, this is Stevie Richards. When I'm not doing Stevie Richards Fitness, well, actually, when I am doing Stevie Richards Fitness Resistance Band Training Programs, I like to listen to my friends on the Voices of Misery podcast. They talk about literally everything and anything, some stuff that might offend you. So if you're not easily offended, don't subscribe because they say whatever is on their minds is actually, actually subscribe, subscribe. Anyway, you might learn something and check them out anywhere. You can download and listen to your favorite podcast. And of course, check them out at voices of misery.podbean.com.